0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Live Booleans. As always, I'm joined by my co host, Alex. Alex, how are you going?
1: I'm doing good, Costa. How are you doing?
0: I am well. This week, we are joined by the lovely Gillian Thibodeau from Immutable and previously from Harmonix. Thank you for coming on, Gillian.
2: Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. Very excited and honored.
0: So, we like to always start our guests off by asking um, how did you get started in games?
2: Oh, that's an interesting one. Yeah. So, um, I I went to college for um, communications, um, and I thought I was going to go into like radio, um, yeah, podcasts. Interesting, <laughs> uh, but it, it didn't. You know, it didn't end up looking like it wanted to be the field for me. And you know, when you've already sunk a bunch of time into school, and then you change your mind at the end of it, you kind of need to like reevaluate your shit. Um, so. Uh, I moved to Boston, and I uh, worked at a cafe for a few years, and um, it was in, like, a pretty cool area of Boston, and we would always have folks come in, some of whom I had seen their bands play, so they come in these, like, you know, three or four person groups, and I was just like, oh, they must be having, like, pack- practice today, and they're just coming in because there's so many nearby practice spaces and whatnot, um, but it turns out they were making Guitar Hero down the street. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. <laughs> and I didn't know. Um, uh, like, I've always loved games. Like, um, you know, I grew up playing them, like my parents for a Nintendo when I was super little. Um, you know, but I never really, I always kind of thought like uh, working in games, like, you have to be a programmer. You have to be like really, really, like, you know, and I've always been very technically literate, but not on the level that a games programmer is. <laughs> That's like something else. So, anyway, I'm skipping ahead here. But, um, uh, as they were growing, because you know, Guitar Hero was doing well, um, there was a lady named Chris Bell who came in and was like, she's one of my favorite customers because she would always order her coffee really specifically. Like, like, I want half ice and an inch of milk and like, you know, shake it a little bit. But then she'd be like, and whatever muffin you want to give me. I was just like, <laughs> why are you like this?
1: <laughs> and you love that. Yeah, I was like, you're oh my so God.
2: particular about this one thing, but like also... Like really don't care about this other thing, and I have to know why. Like, <laughs> uh, and she was like, "Yeah, so um, I, you know, the coffee is the same every day, but the muffins come out differently every day, and I can't really make that kind of decision at seven in the morning." So, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "All right, that's pretty good." So uh, anyway, um, they, you know, they were coming in as you know customers, and at the same time, I got a gig with some friends who were working on Linux software. And they were like, "Do you want to do some like usability research and some, some usability design?" And I was like, "Uh, sure. I'll give this a shot. Like, I, you know, ran Linux as a hobby anyway." And I was like, "I could definitely use some help." <laughs> like,
1: um, Nobody runs Linux as a hobby. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's, that's a pretty intense thing.
2: Pretty nerdy. <laughs> 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 so this is this is a I'm like, I'm a pretty technical person, but not like a game programmer. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyway. Um, yeah, I had been doing that like on the side as like a freelance thing because uh, working in a cafe doesn't pay anything, especially in the U.S. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, these two worlds kind of came together when uh, Harmonics was growing really fast, and this uh, this lady, Chris, was like, "Hey, you seem pretty on the ball," and I was like whoa thank you (laughs) Um, do you want to you want a gig like working at our front desk like we need lots of people to do like ops and and admin stuff and I was like that is so much better than what I'm doing right now let's go so she just came and like walked me around the building and was like what's their order and I I could name everybody's order she's like you're hired cool so I was doing that for about you know two weeks um, and then I noticed, I, I stayed a little bit late one day, and I noticed the playtest train coming in. So I was like, you know, people coming in to playtest the game, but it was, like, incredibly disorganized. And, like, um, the person who was running it, like, was a designer who would rather be designing. Um, and I was like, you know, what's this? And they were like, oh, it's playtesting. It's, like, usability testing for games. And I was like, ooh, wait, that's a thing. Okay. You know I've done a bunch of this on the side. And they were like, really? For games? And I was like, no, no, for Linux. They're like, <laughs> just, okay, you're definitely qualified to do this then. <laughs> so oh my
3: God. I
2: just started helping out. And um, yeah, and like, there was not really a formal department at the time, but I was, you know, happy to head it up. So I started the department, and yeah. that's kind of where it went from there. But um, what a lot of fun. Games usability yeah. is really different from, or like, games UX research is really different from software because kind of have to, like, with software, it's like if somebody gets, like, Frustrated or pissed off, you, you 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 can't help them in the session, but like the goal is to like get that kind of stuck. But with games, like you do want them to get that yeah. kind of pissed off because otherwise they won't feel like you know triumphant for learning later. So it's a lot of like sitting in a room with somebody while they're like just on the verge of rage quitting and trying to get them to talk to you through it. Um, it was very interesting.
0: And, and you, you started, uh, your LinkedIn says gesture interaction designer. So w- was there a game designer just doing those sessions before you you joined on? Uh,
2: yeah. So that was at that time, we were still just making, um, we had just sold uh, Guitar Hero off to Activision. Um, and we were working on Rock Band, um, which is <laughs> the direct competitor to the product we had just sold. But <laughs> it worked out okay. Um, we had drums. Um, yeah.
1: and but,
2: Beatles. And Beatles. Yeah, yeah. the Beatles. Best most fun project I've ever worked on. I've got a good story about that one later. Oh yes. <laughs> um,
0: but
2: uh, yeah, so it was it was just like, you know, a member of the design team who was just, you know, doing the playtesting, uh, Chris Canfield, because he knew it needed to be done, but like he would rather be designing. So he was just like mm. doing it kind of in his like you know, overtime and off time. And because he was also a designer, it can be really hard to play test your own stuff and then just like mm. watch people struggle with it and know you can't like do anything about it until tomorrow. <laughs> mm,
3: <yeah.
2: laughs> so, uh, it was, it was a very big help, like, you know, for the design team to have somebody else doing that stuff and kind of you know, moving the conflict of interest away from that. But, um, after a while, it's like all people who work in research eventually yeah. kind of get to a point where they're like, I would like to make things.
0: Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and- so yeah. When we started doing Connect games, um, I actually had a background in dance. So I was like, hey, I, and you know, like I do yoga as well. And I was like, if the main thrust of this is that we need to get like really ergonomically accurate stuff, and we're working with this brand new tech that Microsoft is giving us prototypes of that nobody else knows anything about, <laughs> like, you know, let's, you know, can I have some, some involvement in this? Um, and, you know, how this all comes together. So that was where I kind of hopped over to design for that sort of stuff. Really fun. Connect is really fun to. Um, no, Connect's not really much fun to do anything with. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what,
0: I mean, did you did you start working on it before it was um, like before it had come out? It was was it kind of like experiment with it and, and see what you can make or.
3: Yeah, I mean, we
2: were, we were a music game company, so, like, um, a dance game was kind of a natural fit anyway. Mm. Um, and we'd kind of already been talking about, like, oh, maybe, you know, like, show my age here. Uh, like, the Wii was quite popular at the time.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> so we were like, you know, what else is in, is in this kind of sphere? Like, you know, is, is there a, a different sort of controller that could work here? Is there no controller that could work here? Because the, the PlayStation Eye was also a thing. We are like, you know, what can we do with this? Um, and then Microsoft happened to come along and be like, Hey, you're a music game company. Do you want to make a dance game? And we were just like, you know, hide all the stuff that we were already working <laughs> on. they are like, we would love to make a dance game.
1: <laughs> the all Xbox right. connect, it really had like, um, a life of its own, even after, after it's like proper life. Like we got friends who, um, they've built like a whole motion studio with yeah. just Xbox connects rigged around.
2: Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, it's such a cool piece of hardware. But it's mm. not a very good game controller for so many reasons. Like
3: yeah.
2: um, like it's it's not super accurate. So like you, you can't really do anything that's like fast or really precise. Um, gesture control is really interesting for like action adventure games because when people get a little bit stressed out, they like their body language becomes very different. So like <laughs> they move their arms inwards or they hunch over or like they kind of twist.
3: And it's yeah, just really yeah.
2: natural physical human body language, but Kinect hates it. Yeah. Hates all of it. <laughs> so it was like, you get into like a combat situation and then people are like,
3: <laughs>
2: and Connect's like, I
3: think you just fell down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it
2: was like, I feel so unheroic. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, but for stuff like mocap and like art installations, like it's, it's brilliant. And mm-hmm. like, I'm, it, I'm super glad to see folks doing like other stuff with it now. Cause it really deserved better. Like it was never a game controller, but it's a great, like, just random piece of hardware to do stuff yeah.
0: with. And and when when you're at Harmonix, how you mentioned you sort of created the UX team. How how small was it? So it was just you when you started. How how big was it when you left?
2: Um, it was just me and um, uh, Chris is kind of like a you know, inheriting it from him. Yeah. Um, and then he moved on. Uh, he wanted to go like teach design and work at another company um and as like we, we were working on one game and then we were working on like four games yeah. so we need to hire people um so uh, there wasn't like a whole lot going on like UX in games was a very new field um yeah. so we couldn't really find anybody who had experience like i mm-hmm. was one of the more experienced people <laughs> like mm-hmm. i would go to GDC and people would be like wow you've been doing this for 3 years yeah <laughs> <laughs> like,
3: yes yeah.
1: <laughs> how how was it like um going into like an established team like Harmonix with the concept of UX and I guess having to talk to other teams who, you know, might not be familiar with a lot of the UX principles or things like that?
2: Uh, I mean, I wasn't really familiar with them either. I was mm. kind of bullshitting my way along. <laughs> 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 All of it was very new. So it was just like, okay, we know, we know, like we have an aligned goal to make this like fun and usable for everybody. So, like, let's figure out when that's working and when it isn't. And we'll, like, you know, evolve some processes around it and, you know, probably get into some fights about whether or not it matters or whether that playtester was right. Yeah. <laughs> that's always the, yeah you know, like, oh, that playtester gave me some feedback I don't like. Maybe they're just wrong.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What was that like back then? Like, especially with motion controls, like, playtesting is something that game developers seem to have, you know, struggled with not struggled with, but it's just such an arduous process. And you're working with a new technology in a very, you know, I'd say primitive time, primitive time for the technology. What was that like gathering that user um, feedback? Um,
2: yeah. So that was an interesting one. Cause like with, with connect specifically, and I mean, with any of the rock band hardware generally, cause it's all bespoke hardware. Like mm. the first thing to rule out is technical interference. So like, um, you know, is something just not working with the hardware first? Um, like we had a lot of reports of people like, um, like accidentally activating, uh, overdrive, like star power. Um, no. and, and like we, we tried everything. Like we tried like moving the guitars in different ways. We must've tested like 15 of them to try and replicate, you know, this behavior. And we just couldn't do it. And <laughs> we eventually, um, went down to QA and said, Hey, can somebody else lend a hand? We we're, we're out of ideas here. Um, and <laughs> we noticed like, our friend Steve Bailey was like lying on the couch like this playing. And I was like, Oh, we've been playing like standing up. Wow. Like, nobody <laughs> plays like that at home. Like,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the, the loading screen tries to tell you like real rock stars don't play sitting down or something like that.
2: That's why it says that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, there you know it. There you go. <laughs>
2: you're just like oh my god nobody actually plays this standing up like, <laughs> i guess we could try to advise them to do it but like, no one's going to do it but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i guess like is a, is a lot of principles so it was like mm-hmm. you know things like can we rule out whether the hardware is the thing that is broken and if it's not broken then like is it just like you know the way people are using it that's making their experience suck um like so i mentioned earlier that like connect is really fiddly about recognizing certain things um, and with Dance Central, we found in a lot of cases, like even the people who choreographed and mocap the moves couldn't couldn't perfect them. Mm. So we would just turn the filters off <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because it's more fun to feel like a badass and be graded like 90% of the time than like just be unable to like 100% a, a song that you've really like you know poured a lot of your time and effort into. And ultimately, feeling fun and, like, not feeling, like, you know, critically judged was more important to us in a performance-based game. So that was kind of one of the other principles was, like, especially on, like, non-expert level stuff, it's always better to be fun than to be
3: accurate.
0: Like, mm. so. And is that is that something that comes out through working with game designers? Like, what, what was that relationship like of doing some testing and then iterating and then, you know was it was it always led from a game design perspective or was there the UX sort of side, you know, pu- uh, pouring into the, into the rest of the game?
2: Yeah, so, I mean, UX is part of game design at Harmonix. Like, so, um, like, we were testing mechanics mm. and we were also testing things like menus and we were testing, like, overall, uh, like, um, campaign progression. Like, you know, do you feel like you were getting, like, difficulty spikes, um, you know, is is your impression that you're getting unexpected difficulty spikes like we can look at the data and figure yeah. out whether you are actually seeing them but like what's your you know, perception does it feel like it got too hard um so like because all of this like is game design mm. like we couldn't really do it in a avoid without the game design team
3: mm-hmm, um mm-hmm.
2: so because there's like the uh, you know the experience of actually playing the thing but then there's the overall experience of playing the game mm. so um, I tried to keep the number of people in the rooms really small um, yeah. because otherwise you just feel like you're performing in front of an audience. And yep. usually things like the build are broken and it's just like embarrassing. Um, turns it,
0: turns but, into a concert.
2: Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. We, had, we had like a like a CCTV, um, yep. and the team would sit in another room and watch, and they would just send you me messages over um, the messaging system that we we're using at the time. Um, and then I would just like ask them, and they would be able to hear it.
1: Yeah, 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 Yeah. that's so cool. And then we'd like Um, get
2: together after sessions and like discuss what happened and what our options were.
1: Yeah, yeah, right. And with sorry, with um, I gotta ask because because rock band is so much more cinematic than Guitar Hero, and from a UX perspective, like I imagine that would have had to have been, especially with the Beatles rock band where you've got these psychedelic landscapes going on at the same time, was that was that a um like a like a battle sort of of like trying to get it so it's cohesive and it, the background isn't too like you know Lucy in the Sky of Diamonds gets intense <laughs> and stuff like that
2: I forgot about all that but yeah you are dead on like um we did a lot of like um like can we scale this up can we scale this down um because if if the background's too noisy it's just distracting
3: <laughs> yeah so,
2: um and also like the notes aren't readable and like um yeah. That was a that was a big one. Like the speed at which things were moving. If there were things moving behind it, um, mm. it would make it feel like it was moving faster than it
1: was. <laughs> sure, yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a great balance and um it, it feels like, you know, I, I might be very wrong with this, but it feels like it was developed in the idea that the person playing would have an audience. Like because the person playing is kind of, you know, I guess focusing on the notes. But if you're a friend on the couch, either waiting for your turn, or you're a parent watching, like you're you're not just watching a still screen. You're watching this whole concert yes. play out.
2: Yeah, that was a big one for Beatles, especially because we knew we knew the audience was going to be older. Um,
1: mm.
2: And we were like, this is going to be a lot of people like my age, either they playing this with their parents or playing it for their parents,
3: mm. which is
2: which ends up happening a lot. And then like trying to convince parents to join in, <laughs> usually just, you know, getting them to sing along, which is probably, you know, the most that they were comfortable doing. But um,
0: yeah. did you, did you get yeah. like some, some people with their parents to come in and, and trial it out? Yep. Oh, awesome. Oh, no, that's really that cool. That was
2: the story I was going to tell. Yeah. So like the, the NDA around that was super deep strict. It was like nothing we'd ever had before. Um. So we couldn't announce that we were working on a new game We definitely couldn't announce that we were doing anything like beatles related like everything was really under wraps until like the absolute day and i'm very proud to say we had no leaks from playtesting wow. <laughs> like, uh, but we couldn't invite like typically the way we would we would bring in playtesters would be we'd invite them in for you know what one person and then we'd be like just bring three of your friends like we don't care like you know, occasionally we would if it was people who had been in before, we would you know, give them some random information, like, we can't give you beer, but there's a pub downstairs. Mm. <laughs> you know, if you want to recreate a realistic setting, like, <laughs> yeah. have dinner with your friends, come on upstairs at seven. Um, but with Beatles, like, we couldn't just be like, you know, just bring whoever, because we couldn't guarantee it, it had to be some of these friends and family of people who worked at Harmonix. Mm. So um we ended up bringing in people's whole families because that was something that we could guarantee was like a closed unit and wasn't yeah, just yeah. like randos from outside um which was really really sweet <laughs> people come in with like their grandparents <laughs> oh, or, like yeah. the kids
3: uh, it was
2: super adorable yeah. but um we had to test the the three-part harmonies which means we had to get like actual singers, because it was, I mean, singing is hard.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: So to test the expert campaign on vocals, we had to get people who could actually sing. Um, luckily, a bunch of us knew people who could actually sing, but they didn't know each other.
3: Oh. Uh. So <laughs> like,
2: they would come in together. And then like sing Beatles songs together for like three hours yeah. and they would leave and they just like, do wanna go, do you want to go, you want to go for dinner? Like that was, a, that was so powerful. <laughs>
1: That's <laughs> like, awesome. It's bringing people together.
2: Yeah. Uh, it was, like the sweetest thing I'd ever worked on. It was so cute.
1: I got to make the come together pun. Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good times. That's
0: good time. really cool. And, and yeah. from there you, uh, you came to Australia after that and then, yeah, what was that cool. like?
2: That was a really, um, really long uh, time that I worked there. And um, I met my partner. Um, he's from here, also in games. So, you know, we have to kind of decide do we want to live in the US? Do we want to live in mm-hmm. Australia? Um, we happen to both get laid off at the same time, um, which is really convenient. Like I had kind of mentioned to work that I was thinking about moving anyway. And they took that in the form of cool, you want some severance? I was like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I came here, um, but it was like, that was like my first real adult job. And, you know, it's kind of like when you break up with your high school sweetheart, it's like, I just want to, you know, not do anything for a while. <laughs> yeah, but Do some like other work and figure out whether I want to stay in games or what I want to do. Um, and so I like did some like consulting work for, for UX for like, um, Ulster and Westpac and whatnot. Not recommend. <laughs> <laughs> what what yeah.
0: was the what was the huge like you know realization going from games into that?
2: It's just easy. Yeah. Okay. So easy. Yeah, yeah. Because yep. like, as like I guess, I mean, and I don't mean that as a brag. I mean, like, it's just it's an inherently less complex experience. Like, your only goal is to make it usable. It's not to make it fun or to make mm. people like, you know, go through a roller coaster of emotions. You just want them to file the free paperwork for their mortgage. They don't want that to be complicated. Mm, they want it yeah, to be. Yeah. As easy as possible, and as stress-free. So um, yeah, it was it was just it was just kind of boring. Like um, like I work on the platform side of things over at Immutable now, so I'm not working directly on the game. Because uh, ultimately, when you do work directly on the game, sometimes it's like I don't want to look at that game ever again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, I've been there.
2: Yeah, but making the tools for the game, especially with blockchain, is super interesting because it's. Just, yeah.
0: Yeah, and, and and talk talk to us about that. Your role um at Immutable, and do you did you begin in the game side of things at Immutable? And yeah. actually, what what is Immutable for for those who aren't listening?
2: Oh, cool. Okay, so um Immutable Games uh was the, well at the time it was Fuel Games and it became Immutable as a company. Now it's kind of there's a studio side of things and a and a platform side of things. So when I started, um, their flagship and only product was Gods Unchained, um, mm-hmm. which is a card game uh like a trading card game like like hearthstone or magic or you know pokemon (laughs) and that uh all of the cards and all of the like you know trinkets associated with it are all nfts on blockchain um i find this super duper interesting because like my cousin like trades cards for a living he makes a like totally decent living trading magic cards like it's, it's like have been doing this for years like why not make it nice and digital because at at the moment like if i get like a shiny pokemon and i want to sell it to somebody like i go to ebay yeah yeah. (laughs) like what is that like i go to ebay and then like somebody else buys pays me money for it and then we agree to meet in the game and one or the other of us may or may not show and like it's just it's so sketchy so like but like people want to, you know, they want to do this stuff. So like, why not create a pathway for them to do it in a way that makes sense? Um and like, I am the furthest thing from a crypto bro, but decentralized technology is super, super fascinating to me because mm-hmm. it just makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. why not? Um, like, BitTorrent is a great way to share files. It just happens to be used by people who share files that shouldn't be shared.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> but the technology is amazing. Like, and it's a really efficient way to. To distribute that stuff, and I feel the same way about like like blockchain as a tool for that sort of thing. Is like it is being primarily used for a certain purpose, but that's not the only purpose it has. So if we can use it to do things like you know certify objects and games and allow for like secure transactions and trading, like there's space for like huge cottage industries to, to pop up around this stuff, um, and like 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 verifiable ones that people aren't going to get scammed, and yeah. Just very cool um so yeah when i started there i was on the, the and chain team and then we started to kind of see that like um i don't, uh, I don't know how much i should over explain blockchain stuff <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> I, I, I guess for folks listening who don't necessarily know how all this stuff works you might have heard things like nfts waste energy nfts are a scam um i can give you like a one-line version of yes write like yep. so we saw that as a company, like you know, writing every single transaction to the blockchain, like every time we mint a card for somebody, every time that person trades a card with somebody else, writing that every time super inefficient. It's like driving your car into the city every day. Like, screw that, just take public transit. Like mm-hmm. it's just easier. So we built public transit for blockchain. So we created a DK roll up um system that instead of writing every transaction back to the blockchain, write 600,000 of them at once. So um, people can do all of this stuff without having to pay the transaction fee gas yes, every time something's written. Um, like it uses exponentially less energy. Like mm-hmm. we're using less energy than like, you know, your average server farm running your Dota match. <laughs> like the one I like to compare to. Shots like, is So much energy. It's like, yeah, do you have so much multiplayer.
3: Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs>
2: I mean, it's not better, but you know,
3: <laughs> For sure. but, um,
2: yeah. So they, I was like, this is a really cool, like, you know, solution for this stuff. I want to work on it. So I moved over to the platform side of things to kind of get, you know, a little bit of distance from the game, which I quite like and quite like playing. Mm-hmm. So, um, like working on the platform allowed me to make some tools for the game, which is really fun at the moment. I think that the big thing is going to be like, where do, where do games go with this stuff? Because like, I think we've got a good model. Obviously, I think we're the best, but like, <laughs> um, I, I see stuff that like, like, what? not that I'm not going to disparage. Yes, I am. Not that Ubisoft <laughs> has ever done the right thing by their players, but like the way that they rolled that out is like really messy. Mm, yep, um, yep, yep. and it doesn't really seem to like show anybody like, why are we doing this? Like, why does this benefit you? Why yeah. would you want to be involved in this? Um,
1: it's been it interesting. Looks like they just they just yeah. applied it to a concept to them that already exists and they've just gone how to we said it on the cafe bullions last week we were just like it's it sounded like a bunch of people in a boardroom just tapping their fingers going what about uh skins you know like, yeah 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 it
2: was like what do we already sell
0: yeah <laughs> just slap a digit on there and and call it an nft yeah yeah
2: and it's like there's so much more than that like it's like you guys could get involved in like you know compensating your community with a governance token and you'd have to listen to them, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, there's, there's, there's other ways that I think that this could be done and I'm, I'm really holding out hope that, like, um, that people will look to our example as, you know, how did they do it? How could we do yeah. it in a way that also makes sense? Because It doesn't necessarily make sense for every game and, you know, like, one model doesn't necessarily fit every game, but mm-hmm. if your game's got stuff that can be traded, like, maybe it does.
0: Mm, yeah. What what kind of games do you think will benefit from that kind of model? Like you mentioned, trading. Is there mm-hmm. any others that you think might benefit?
2: I think the main ones are are anything that has like any sort of um, collaborative or cooperative multiplayer mm-hmm. experience. Like even if it's just like a, a pair, like um, Gods and Chain. Because if you are interacting with other people in a game environment, then to some extent there's like like purpose built like objects that you'll want to trade, like to to change your standing there. Um, th- like less so I think for single player games, but I think there's still potential there. Like, um, I mean, if such a thing existed for the Sims back when I was playing it in college, mm-hmm. I probably would have spent like a lot of my tips money on that. <laughs> like um, but I mean in like Animal Crossing is another yeah. example of like you, you know, it's like, yes, there is a huge thriving black market for that stuff, it's called like nookazon. And it's enormous. Like, <laughs> wow!
0: Well, I didn't know that that. Is a like a black yeah. market for Animal Crossing? Wow!
2: Oh my god, it's huge. There's also like 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 speculation on the stock market with the turnips. But oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's wild. That's also not subject to like actual like stock rules. Yep, <laughs> it's pretty random. So.
0: And yeah. how do you how do you find making this concept of NFTs approachable, like from a user experience perspective?
2: Uh, it's exhausting because I feel like I have the same conversation over and over again, where people are like, "NFTs suck," and I'm like, "Look, <laughs> yes, but um, they don't have to." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, really a lot of people are doing yes, but they don't have to. Um, as far as like making it palatable for um like folks who don't necessarily know how to navigate um blockchain and crypto stuff that is a real adventure um mm-hmm. and it's one that i'm really excited to to work on um i think that's, that's the main reason i moved over to the platform side of mm-hmm. things that was like crypto is super confusing and as long as it's confusing to people it's going to be a huge gate for like you know how do i get involved in this thing if i have to get a bit of wallet and i have to take pictures of my driver's license and send them to somebody to verify so i can buy Ethereum? like um yep. so I, I think it's like finding ways to make that Closer to like a, a normal e-commerce experience for people. So like, it's like, how do we like engender the same sort of trust that like, they would if they were buying something off of Amazon? Mm-hmm. Like, how do we, you know, you know make something as, like setting up a wallet as simple as opening a PayPal account?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Like, PayPal functions almost identically to a wallet, like, but it's a, that model doesn't really exist for some reason. Crypto side of things, even though they're they're really very similar function. So yeah,
3: it's just,
0: it's, and yeah, the main, finding
2: like kind of existing models to apply to it I think will help
3: for sure.
0: And the main is it the main sort of audience for from uh, Immutable's perspective is like game developers and getting and those kind of uh, people on board. What's what's that sort of been like trying to work with and, and or and convince game developers to utilize that technology?
2: It's an interesting one. I'm, I'm. I wouldn't say we're we're solely games as as much as we were when we started. Um, mm-hmm. I think we've definitely expanded into other spheres since then. Um, I'm seeing a lot of like um, a lot of our early adopters are folks who make like uh, like like profile pick collections. Mm-hmm. So um, like to kind of buck the idea of like, okay, well, this is just a picture of like, you know, a donkey. And that is a donkey that looks almost like it, but has slightly different traits. Um, And like the real draw there I'm finding from, from talking to um, them as our customers and their, their communities as their customers is like, it's all about community. Like they, they, like people buy them because they want to be in the discord Mm,
3: mm -hmm. (laughs) and they want
2: to hang out together. So like, it's, it's less about the, you know, I hold this particular NFT and it's more about like, I'm part of this group. I'm part of this community. Like as somebody who grew up on like message boards, like I totally understand that. <laughs> like,
3: yeah, yeah, totally yeah.
2: strong relate But, um, they're, you know, they're also like, well, how do we keep our communities thriving? Like we've built this community now of people who are really yeah. happy to hang out together. What can we give them? Hmm. Like, you know, can we, can we give them a game? Like maybe you can just, you know, if you have one of these, you know, particular tokens, you can use it. It can represent a you know a character in a game, mm. and they're like, "Oh shit, we have to build a game." It's really I, hard, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's that,
0: so, that, yeah, interesting because yeah. I've, I've seen that approach as well, where these people who have issued NFTs didn't have the thought of a game, and then now all of a sudden, yeah, are i thinking let's build games.
2: games. So and yeah. like I totally get it. Like you know, making games is really fun, but I think um, it's going to be a like I, th- I think a thing that we can do to help out in that regard is like, kind of give them a toolbox of best practices.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So it's like, you know, so you want to make a game. Here's some things you should know. Here's some ways that you can do this. Like here's an out of the box solution for like how to get users to connect their wallets or you know how to use wallets as authentication to sign into the game.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: That's my favorite. You don't even need a username and a password. A wallet, it's doing securely. <laughs> awesome.
1: Like that's a really good idea though. Setting up that um, toolkit for developers because yes. it, it's like the idea of having to rebuild a game engine every five seconds and then you have unreal and unity come out and we've never had to do that again. And yeah. at the moment it's the wild west of NFTs. So everyone's a bit lost with that stuff.
2: Yeah. It's like you either know games or, you know, crypto and you, the likelihood yeah. of knowing both is really low Yeah, you know? like, <laughs> or being really good or really and, experienced at both. Like, um, a lot of the folks that work at immutable or the reason I went there is um, like, I knew them through like games industry stuff. Um, And like, we all had to learn the crypto side of things. There's also a bunch of crypto folks that are like, games are really hard to make.
0: (laughs) And I've seen some uh, tools pop up at them, like for unity and things like that. Like it's, it's starting to really start like there's the beginning of it. um, And it's finally dipping into the, the traditional game dev tools now um yeah it'll be interesting to see where it goes
2: yeah i'm mm-hmm. so excited for it like i really want to put together like a like a best practices guide that's like when do you put up your users to get a wallet because mm-hmm. like you can play gods and chain without a wallet you don't need one like yeah man. it's just when you start collecting and, and even if you don't like even if you start like earning things that should go in that wallet and you don't have one connected it, it just stays waiting mm-hmm. um but there's going to be a point at which it's like, hey, if you had a wallet, we could dump these things into it, and you could do other things with it. And then someone might be like, okay, how do I do that? And could it be as easy as just hit this button and we spin you up a wallet, and connect yeah. to the account?
1: What was the um like, uh, energy, emotion, idea? Like when Facebook announced Meta and they're saying the whole NFTs will, you know, the thought of NFTs crossing into more than just that one platform of a, of a game. It's now something you could, the potential to cross, you know, many different aspects of like the metaverse, basically is the idea in immutable. Is it like exciting? Is it like, this is something we could work with or is it, Oh no, it's this extra pressure or.
2: I think we were all just a little bit, a little bit entertained by, like, Oh God. uh my own opinion, and this is not speaking for immutable, um, mm-hmm. like this stuff all like looks and, and, and talks and walks and smells like like crypto stuff, but it's not. It's very centralized, it's very walled garden.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: it won't really work outside of the Facebook ecosystem. It'll work with like inside Facebook, it'll work inside like Oculus related things. Um, but like, we're not gonna interface with it. We're not gonna be able to, like, that's the whole mm-hmm. point. to keep everybody else out um mm. so like to me it's a little bit scary because it's also going to be like it reminds me of when i was a kid and like everybody thought america online was the internet mm.
3: because yeah. you know,
2: it's like i sign into this program and it's got the chat rooms and my email and that's the internet um it's like there's also a button that says browser but i never touched that yeah. i don't know it, what's out there like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so do
1: you yeah, would you see I, it as as sort of like a like a not a detriment, but is it like a layer of confusion to what's happening in the, in the technology world right now? Like with the, you know, advent of NFTs and and these crypto games that now you've got Facebook just announcing metaverse and everyone just kind of lumping these all together.
2: Yeah. I I think it's, it's, it's not really confusing it so much as it's like, um, I think they're trying to clarify it or they're like, you know, taking the opportunity to like jump on an opportunity to clarify it in their favor. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I don't blame them. I would do the same of, you know, basically just saying like, Hey, everybody's throwing these words around. Let's go plant our flag on them. Um, I think it's, yeah, it is going to be an interesting one to watch in the future because like I said, I think a lot of folks don't really know much beyond it. So it's like, this is an opportunity to learn more about it and they're learning about the Facebook version of it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. got some feelings about facebook
3: uh,
2: yeah. <laughs> but i did live down the street from harvard for 10 years so oh there you um, go yeah. yeah these things happen but um i did not go to harvard <laughs>
0: <went> to <laughs> you need to clarify <laughs>
2: yeah uh but yeah it's uh, i i yeah I'm giving really cagey answers. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Yeah, no, no, no. That's, that's cool. That's fine. I, yeah. I'm, I'm basically just a bit nervous about, like, what it means for, for sure. the, the future of um, mainstream media whenever, um, like, a, a big, like, monopolistic player, like, makes a big step on something. Mm.
1: Yeah. So. And we've, Kosta uh, and I have spoken about it before, that it feels like, you know, what they're planning, they're kind of just using VR and AR as as a way to explain to to the to us humans, basically, what what they're actually thinking about, you know, like yeah. here is a tool that, like yeah. we were saying with NFTs, and um, you know, e, was it EA doing the skins sort Ubisoft of stuff. not EA Ubisoft, sorry, EA, end of the day <laughs> of um doing the skins thing is like this is just their way of communicating to us what it could do, but yeah, it's it's said, the, who knows?
0: It doesn't it's like the the it's not the the use case that has struck with like a struck a chord with the players and that's actually something that i wouldn't mind hearing from you about julian is like there was so much backlash when ubisoft announced um these you know uh the the nft system that they're that they're doing and even i think even like the youtube video had like it's like an insane amount of downvotes before they got rid of the downvotes um downloads or dislikes 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 downvotes dislikes yeah end of the day end End of of the day day.
3: um
0: (laughs) And and what do you, what do you think it is that that annoyed so many gamers? And like I've seen a lot of sentiment now on Twitter and things like that, where so many game developers or so many gamers just go NFTs and NFTs in games equals like bad equals stupid. Yeah. Equals, you know what I mean? It's it's like just like it's actually just made those kind of people just hate it more. Like what do you think it is that's that's annoyed and and pissed off so many people?
2: So. Um, this is kind of like a multi-layered thing. I think. Um, I think there is a larger negative sentiment that is largely driven by um, like lack of knowledge, mob mentality, um, mm. just like media hysteria. Um, I'm not usually a person who blames any of those things, but in this case, it's all true. Mm-hmm. Like this is where I was saying, like you know, our our NFTs values are are they bad for the environment? They can be like Mm. but they don't have to be and like
3: Mm.
2: there is a you know a world of difference between you know for example like selling things you farmed in a game and uh you know like what i what i feel like where where ubisoft went wrong is they didn't take into account that there was already sort of a negative sentiment around nfts and they didn't market like knowingly to that like there is a larger sentiment, I think, in amongst gamers that like NFTs are, are valueless crap. And they kind of charged into it saying, you're gonna want this so much. And it's like really tone deaf because mm. they haven't really led with why. It's just like, it's new, you're, you're gonna love it. And it's like, they've already told you they don't love it. Like, like you, if you want to win them over to this, the first thing you have to do is tell them why it's good for them. Like, what, what did they get out of this? What do they want out of this? Like, other than just it's new and it's called Quartz. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, you further reinforce that, like, this thing is confusing and has no function or purpose. Um, and it's just, you know, flashy, like, hype for nothing. Um, rather than explain to them, like, you know, what it is and, and why they're doing it. And, you know. Um, so, like, that felt a little bit tone deaf to me. And then, like, um, like following that is like, um, like the, yeah, so the, the, yeah, they kind of just like positioned it as like, you know, here's the thing you definitely, we, we definitely think you want it. Um, like we definitely think you'll jump on it and we, you know, we're not going to explain to you like what it is or or appreciate that we're kind of working from, you know, a, a disadvantaged place already. And we're not going to try and address any of the things that are like known complaints in the world. Like, you know, at Immutable, we are extremely aware of what the sentiment is. Like, and it's why we get out there and say things like, okay, about the whole, like, energy usage thing. Here's why we built this thing that doesn't do that. Like, you know, yeah. about the, like, you know, valueless crap stuff. Here's why you know we're building games that use them in these particular ways and, and how it's important for them to be mm-hmm. actual NFTs to make the game work that way. As opposed to just, like, flashing new thing we know you want it. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not accurate. So yeah, yeah. yeah it's like, uh, they didn't really feel like they didn't read the room very well.
0: Yeah. So do you feel like there's a, it, like education is a huge part of getting people on board?
2: I feel like it goes both ways. Like, um, you know, you have to be educated about what the, what the sentiment is like, you know, it's like looking at the weather before you get dressed in the morning. Like, you know, before you market something, like what are people already saying about it? Like, mm. you're going to position it as we made that thing that you love like make them something they actually want and love like or tell them why they'll love it before Mm -hmm. you tell them that they will
0: (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. so a bit of an order of operations there
0: definitely definitely
1: yeah so um with the like jumping back to the 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 ux and uh, you, you touched on before that you know you you had to transition to doing you know work for um, was it like Telstra was it and Qantas I think I, I looked up a little stalk of your, your
2: oh, yeah um I don't want to talk about the Qantas job
1: no no don't <laughs> worry, we won't go into any 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 specifics um, no my question is around because you know the our listeners are our game developers you know um, mm. you know maybe some web developers and something like that but there's there would be a through line with all the user experience of whether, you know, you're designing what you were saying before or you're designing Rock Band or you're designing these NFT games, there's still a, a through line of that user experience. Um, have you, you know, over these years, have you been able to kind of like in your mind collate what these through lines are? Have they changed over the years as well? Like as as the concept of user experience has matured, have are people, is it easier to explain you know concepts to people, or is it harder
2: um, to people like users, or to explain like how UX works? works?
1: Um, no, so I explain it, it to like users, it. basically. Yeah, yeah. like um, because like like you know like at this you know in the the harmonics Harmonic. days, you know, we're talking the start of smartphones, and now smartphones are like just common commonplace. So like, I would imagine that the UX you know has gotten a bit more commonplace. But that being said, is it harder because it's people get so used to one way that it's harder to explain a different way of working? Like,
2: um, Yes and no. I, I think the, the best tool like any designer has in their pocket in terms of usability is like find a metaphor that people can relate to and like like, don't make people but, like the puzzle is is the puzzle. The puzzle is not the controls. Um. So like if someone has to like, you know, solve a mystery or solve a puzzle, they shouldn't also be trying to figure out how to, how to, you know, walk around in a game to do that. Like, mm. so there are times to innovate, do that with your story, do that with your game mechanics. And, you know, but it, there are also times to like, don't reinvent the wheel. Like, you know, don't create a control system. That doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. You know, Or it's like, I'm just going to put jump on, you know, square for no reason. It's hard <laughs> to get to and no one expects it. <laughs> <laughs> Like, so, you know, a good designer knows when to innovate and when to not innovate. Um, mm. So I think, like, you know, knowing knowing how to harness existing models or existing metaphors for things really goes a long way. Like, um, yeah, when I first started at Harmonics, like, smartphones didn't exist. I bought my first smartphone while I worked there. But, like, I had a phone, my little flip phone, um, you know, and there were different metaphors at the time. So it's just finding something that, you know, kind of works for the, for the situation. Like, you know, like crypto wallets didn't exist either, but you can explain them by comparing them to PayPal. Um, So it's just whatever it may be, it's finding that metaphor that is the, you know, the connecting thing. So, and that sort of thing is pretty timeless and kind of works in all products.
1: Yeah. So it's like understanding your audience, premeditating what kind of experience they have had and then build on that
2: yeah and if you're explaining a new concept to them like um you know finding ways to relate it to things that they may have already done
1: really yeah. helpful and with that as well is um i guess to follow into that is uh what are the like constant mistakes you've been saying like costa and i have work in you know, uh, UI and UX for web, and at yeah. the moment, like you know, I don't know if you go on those websites like Dribble and stuff like that. And the big, the big thing is that uh, new morphism, yeah. where it's that yeah. like really soft-edged, soft-edged white, and like now everyone's obsessed yeah. with it. But people from UX yeah. and UI background are like, no, it's the worst for accessibility. Yeah. There's like no yeah. contrast yeah. ratio. Um, so like that's like there's something I, I highlight is the that um, web designers aren't always great web UX UI because of that experience they're, they're used to the designing. So I was wondering like, are there those sort of mistakes you've just seen constantly?
3: Um,
2: I think it's, yeah. I think that also like speaks to like the opposite of what I was just describing. It's just like, I'm going to go do something new and different and not mm. really think about whether it's useful. Mm. Yeah. So, like, like, Oh, I love, I love the look of this aesthetically, but it's horrible for accessibility. Or, like, yep, yep. yeah. So it's like you get kind of too in love with the idea of like doing something innovative and ultimately end up creating something that's like not great as a result. Like
3: mm. I always
2: point to kind of like, like Ikea is both really cool and really uncool, but ultimately it's really useful and it fits perfectly. So like,
3: yeah. yeah,
1: It's, it's so heartbreaking. Like as a, like a, like an artist, cause you, you, that's what you want to do is you want to, reinvent or like you see asset packs and you're like no I can do this myself or something like that why can't the scroll bar be on the left hand side or something like that and then just that small concept of a scroll bar uh, like the game we worked on I put the scroll bar on the left hand side just because the list was on the left hand side I'm like well having the scroll bar in the center of the screen looked funny and everyone's like yeah but I'm used to that other way
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah and like and that's the thing is like it's like knowing where to innovate and knowing where to draw. Like you know from, from standards is like it's like yeah, get an asset pack and, and and like innovate in your like setting in your art in your in your visuals. But like um, yeah, scroll bar in the middle. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like, yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. 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 What were you thinking, oh, Alex? No. <laughs> yeah. no, no, I, I didn't want the scroll bar. I wanted it on the left. I, wanted, I was like, oh, yeah, I, I wants to look at a, a scroll button.
2: Like, yeah. 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 No, I mean, I did the same thing. Like, um, you know, I think I did it more like earlier in my career where I was like, I really want to set something, you know, like different. I want to like, you know, break ground and like, you know, do something that like no one's ever done before. It makes people take notice. And it's like, they take notice, but like for the wrong reasons. Yeah. <laughs> was, yeah. like Wow. I don't like that. And it's like, okay, I would prefer it if you, like working with the whole thing and didn't specifically call out the thing that I did, <laughs> that would be what would make me really
1: happy. Yeah. It's,
0: it's interesting. You, you mentioned like that whole, you know, using metaphors and, and it's, it's almost like a, t- a time, it's like a time capsule, really. Like you design something now it's relevant, you know, it might be relevant to the things now, but then in five years, that new concept that you were trying to explain using a metaphor then becomes commonplace. And then it just builds and builds and builds and yeah. builds. Mm. Um, it's
2: like, it's, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's almost like, a uh, refer to sometimes the Simpsons effect where it's like the Simpsons exists in a world where the Simpsons has existed for like 30 years now. <laughs>
3: no, no. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's like half the time can just reference itself and it's like, it's fine.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah
2: yeah it's like the thing that you use to as a metaphor to make this thing accessible to people you can now use as a metaphor yeah
0: yeah 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 it's and and then it's it's sort of tough like how do you yeah where do you push the envelope in that like where do you find the things that that can be pushed and and will make sense or the things where you just have to like you know base it on common standards and frameworks yeah
2: it's it's an interesting one like um yeah, it's like, where do you choose to, to you know, innovate this thing and keep mm. this thing the same to, to make the overall experience better? Mm. Um, it's like, you find that, like, the controls, for example, like, you know, those need to stay the same, but you can, you know, you can you can innovate what the, the thing that you're using to, um, like, create that metaphor for can be mm. the, the actual innovative thing.
0: It's kind of like in game design where, you, you know, some some developers might push in a certain direction and then that just becomes a genre in itself first person you know what i mean like first person shooters they they, that was some experimentation that happened and then it just spun into a whole genre
2: yeah like mobas generally are like um battle royale games like was not expecting that but it's Mm -hmm. it's like everywhere now
1: yeah (laughs) yeah 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 and now it's becoming um the open world game. It's like the yeah. the trend gets set. And then two years later, you start seeing all the other duplicate games pop up yeah. once they figured out how to, how to do it.
2: Like, I remember like a few years ago going to PAX and it was like, PUBG is amazing.
3: PUBG,
2: yeah. And it's just like <laughs> two weeks later, like fall, just like,
3: hold on yeah.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Yeah.
2: I'm yeah. <laughs> no, sorry. No, um, Fortnite and fallout. Fortnite. Yeah. That would no, be a no, very yeah. different game, different kind of. <laughs> that would be um, cool. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. <laughs>
3: uh,
2: yes, yeah, it's, it's 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 neat to see that stuff like happen though, because then it's like, okay, this makes sense, and also mm. like, you, know, you watch like this this brand new thing grow up and like builds very very quickly on the backs of like anybody else who's doing anything in that space. Mm. That's really fun. Like. When I was at Harmonix, they, we saw a whole bunch of like music games crop up. Like, you know, there was there was a whole bunch of like music games in like the early 2000s that were like like um, all the bimani games and like uh, Parappa the Rapper and like fun stuff like that. And karaoke the games which Kong, we made a few.
0: The, uh, the bongos.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, <laughs> yeah.
2: Love that game. Yeah. There's there's was... one for Wii that has like um like a taiko drum as well. It's like super wow. duper fun. But, uh, um. Uh. But, like, you know, those kind of died off for a bit or they were, like, really popular in Japan and nowhere else. Um, mm. And then, you know, when, like, Guitar Hero and Rock Band picked up, like, suddenly, like, all of these little music games were cropping up because people were familiar with Beatmatch. Mm, mm, mm. Like, very cool.
1: Yeah. Um, so, before was, you know, stalking your LinkedIn, one of the things I saw was, I really want to ask about this, is uh, built and curated a web streaming presence for a student community radio sometime between 2000 and 2005. And I have to know, what was the framework for streaming like in the early 2000s?
3: (laughs) 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 So,
2: I was the program director of my radio station for like five years. We had a student station um, Mm. and yeah, I was the program director there. But I was also like the only only person who knew how to make websites. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, make us a website and we can stream stuff. (laughs) <laughs> um it was crap. I forget what we use. I think we use like like a predecessor to Shoutcast. Um oh, it was really old. bad. But the thing that was super interesting was that if you stream music, you have to pay royalties on it. Oh,
0: <laughs> which we <yeah>. didn't
3: know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's probably more than a than a community radio like uh station yeah. has <laughs> you know yeah, to pay for. for it. It. Yeah, that's right.
2: We started doing it it's... because um we broadcast like the the, the student hockey games. So like ah, we, yeah. This is how like much of a nameender I am. So we're like, yeah, student hockey games were like the best listened to, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But um, it's like parents were like writing in and be like, oh, I, I you know, I, I live outside of the range. Can you just stream my kids' hockey game? And we're like, we'll yeah, <laughs> figure out how to do that. And then we're like, wait, we could just stream all day. It'd be awesome.
1: So you're, <laughs> st- you're streaming video and audio. Oh yeah, just audio.
2: Oh yeah, audio. No, oh, audio. yeah. yeah. Oh, no, no. <laughs> The internet was still way too slow for streaming video. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's what I was thinking. Because I've heard those stories of you know, like uh, basically people who were like the founders of like podcasts and with the streaming, and then getting hit with like seventy thousand dollar bills because yeah. of the bandwidth that requires for the downloads and stuff that they just didn't expect. Like and stuff that it's such a wild concept now for anyone to understand. Like you know, people coming up now of you know bandwidth costing money and streaming like this was all done for free on costa announcement. basically like the (laughs) the actual running of the podcast it's the most easy we just show up and and do it but you had to build the whole framework like any and even you saying oh i knew how to build websites in early 2000s what's that like html one two like uh three three (laughs) three okay yeah (laughs) that's that's a feat in itself
2: Yes, I, I mean, I was I was like literally just coding them by hand in HTML with some like CSS and some cascading style sheets. Like it oh, was, no. it was weak, <laughs> pretty weak. <laughs>
3: yeah. Um.
2: Yeah. The, the the streaming um like you can probably find it on the Wayback Machine. Um, I'm pretty sure it's still there.
0: Love that website. Uh, yeah. It's so good.
2: It's like there was like a website and it had a banner, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. and then like listed under it, there was like like on the side, there's like a sidebar. Had like a you know, list of our programs like you know look at our schedule um, and then there's like stream and you click that and like a little window popped up that had like a tiny little player in it
3: yeah.
2: and it wasn't like styled in any way and it was it, I think it ran at like extremely low bit rate <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah
2: but I think I built that for like a project for one of my classes and then just like was like this will work for this as well yeah. but that was uh, interesting like I think that's probably the better story is like trying to Trying to study communications technology in the early two thousands was like trying to be like a scientist. Like it's like being like like Galileo, <laughs> like, where mm, it's just yeah. like you're like things work this way, and people are like, no, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, I took like a video production class, and like um, me and a friend of mine were like very into like video editing software at the time, which was like After Effects, um, and like. Our, the, the project we put together, our teacher accused us of plagiarism.
3: <laughs> like, oh, wow.
2: He we was like, there's no way you made that with this tool. And it's like, we definitely did. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> we like, just because you don't know how to do it doesn't mean it's not possible.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Well. So pretty much your entire, like your career from, from study to now, you've been on that cutting edge of having to explain basically what you do and, you know, introduce a new medium to a world that's still hung up on the old medium.
3: Yeah
2: pretty much the only reason i wake up every day <laughs> what, what new technology is invented today <laughs> what does oh it God. do and how will people figure out how to misuse it <laughs> Yeah.
1: well i mean jillian thank you so much for for jumping on something you know we all, we always end with every guest is um you know what what it, would it if you could distill your time in the industry or industries in your case down to like you know your, your top tips, your, your best advice, something you wish you could have told yourself when you started, um, something for the developers listening to this, uh, what, what would you, what, what's your bit of advice?
2: Um, be kind to other people. Like there's a lot of assholes in the industry, which mm-hmm. anybody who's worked in it or like come out and it knows like mm-hmm. be kind, be embracing, don't be gatekeeping and it will pay off. Like, um, because those are the people who actually get ahead. Those are the people who actually get remembered. Like other people will like, you know, have fits and spurts of success, but like the minute somebody like has the right job for you and they're, they're like, I know that guy or I know that lady, they're awesome. Like mm. get them. That's mm. where you get jobs. And that's where you yeah. get like, that's where you get to work with people that make really cool stuff because you also end up working with people who value that sort of thing. And you'll end up in, a, in an environment where people are like, collaborating and like, you know, working together positively instead of like, like games are competitive,
3: Mm.
2: like on most of, most of the time, like it tends to attract a certain type of competitive personality. That makes sense. Like the, you know, you, you also like, you get competitive people, you also get super passionate people, Mm. people who put like 12 hours a day into something because they know how to do that with games and they know how to do it with making them too. Um, You know, people who care a lot about stuff. Um, So it's like, you know, work to those strengths instead of like, the, you know, pure competitive strengths and yeah, that's, that's where the good stuff happens.
1: Remember those coffee orders. Yeah. remember the coffee <laughs> <Yeah>. orders. Like <laughs> it
2: never, it never hurts to to do something nice for somebody else and to teach somebody something else instead of being astonished that they don't already know it.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. That's, awesome. that's perfect. Yeah. But thank you so much, um, Jillian. It's been, it's been real great, you know, getting to meet you getting to talk to you and yeah, it's good, real interesting to see what immutable, are doing next and hearing the story
2: yeah same thanks for having me on guys this is really fun thank you um nah, d- always happy to come back if you ever want to do like a panel show or something
0: definitely yeah. oh my god that'd be amazing yeah <laughs> An nft panel show <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All
2: right. well have a great evening
0: thank you yeah you too, you Jimmy, too. thank you have a good one.
1: Bye. Bye. bye everybody